0: Like the crocus shall blossom abundantly, and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel, Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands, and make firm the, the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert, the burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, it shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it, it shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Well,
1: good morning. We are. Concluding in Hinsdale, kind of like the first part of our series in Isaiah. And so I'm um, inviting you to kind of. Is the mic on or should I just should I use this mic? Can you guys no, hear you're me? Just okay, but can you hear me use the mic? Okay, I can't tell. So it's, that means it's a good mic, uh application, right? Um, anyway, we're, we're concluding kind of our first part of the kind of book one of Isaiah, beginning in chapter one and finishing in 35. And uh, so that's where we're at this morning. And I'm glad that we have a chance to kind of share this uh, passage together. Uh, before I. Continue. Would you please join with me in prayer? Father, this is your word. It is filled with images that we need imprinted upon our hearts and our very souls. And so, Lord, I ask that, that this is what you would do amongst us this morning. Your spirit is here. He is present. He is powerful. Uh, would you please... Open our hearts to hear. Would you please help me? Uh, would you open my lips to speak your word? That together we would be um, your faithful church who continues to follow the way you have, you have created for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Isaiah, in some ways, I think you could say it begins with a problem. And I turn to chapter 35, we come to a solution. It begins. With kind of an impossible distance, and in chapter 35, it concludes with a highway. So what do I mean by that? Well, as as the book of Isaiah begins, we have this image in chapter 2 of the city that God has intended for his people. The city of Zion that is beautiful where God lives with his people and they live in delightful fellowship and community with him. Where they live under his rule where there is righteousness and justice and wisdom. And, and it is so beautiful that the world around takes note and says we want to know God so let's come to that city. That's the picture that really chapter 2 kind of kicks off Isaiah with. And then yet immediately after and surrounding we recognize that the people in Isaiah's time are so so far away from that city. They're so far away from that reality with their idolatry, with their pride, with their complete avoidance of God. And, and in fact, actually this, this metaphor of far away is one of the images that's used in the book of Isaiah, where it's like the city is now in a distance. This way that they're supposed to be, somehow they've wandered away from the city, or maybe they've been kidnapped, but now the people of God, maybe they have this image of what they're supposed to be, but it's like it's miles upon miles, and not just miles away, but to get there, they would have to travel through through desert. Have you ever uh, seen those movies where somehow someone maybe is stuck in the middle of a desert, and... And you know, like it always seems like they end up taking off like a sweater or something like that and putting it on their head because somehow that makes it feel better. And then they're just like walking and you see them like just kind of like staggering. And, and you know when they start seeing water that it probably isn't water, it's just a mirage. And all of that is meant to help us to feel that walking through a desert is brutal. It is, it is almost impossible. And, and that is the way it is for God's people. The, the gap between where they are and that city that is meant for them. Or, or Another problem that we see described in these opening chapters of Isaiah is that the people of Israel have crippled themselves. It's, when, when God shows them things, they shut their eyes and it says they become blind. When God speaks to them through prophets, they stop up their ears and they become deaf. They are like people who are lame who cannot step in the direction of obedience. They no longer confess God with their mouth. They are in some ways in almost every way paralyzed and that city is even further away because of it. So that's that's the situation in these opening chapters of Isaiah. There is this beautiful image of a city. This is what God's people are intended for and yet it is so far away. It is impossible to reach it seems. Except in our chapter that we just read, God says, I am going to make a way home. I am going to make a way for you to come back to me, to come to Zion. That's, that's really what this passage is about. It begins with two really beautiful images of renewal. Put back in your mind that image that we talked about before of desert. right? Just imagine that you are looking and you're just seeing miles upon miles of sand dunes and nothing. Now imagine if overnight, you you wake up in the next morning and you're looking on the same scene and you see something dramatically different. It's what's described in the opening verse. It says, the wilderness, that's another word for desert, dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly. And rejoice with joy. Do you see the image? Before it was desert, now suddenly there, there are flowers blooming everywhere. There's grass upon the ground. There are trees providing shade. There is life where there once was death. And more than this, we see in verse six, waters break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. So, so suddenly now we're seeing you know, maybe a river along here, and there's, there's marsh over here, and, and it's what suddenly this desert has become a beautiful garden. And in a journey that before seemed utterly unimaginable. to go through the deserts to get to the city now suddenly seems not only possible, but maybe at times delightful. But the renewal doesn't just stop there. we see another perhaps even more amazing image of renewal, where in verse five, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of them you'd sing for joy. If God's people before were without almost any life remaining in their bodies because of their sin, now for the first time their eyes see and they see the beauty of what God has done. Their ears hear and they hear this invitation to walk. They, they find that they can step. In fact, they can even hop and, and, and speak with praises. They have experienced this physical renewal. The land has been renewed. Their bodies have been renewed. We ask, what's happened? And verse two begins to hint at it. It says, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. And then it becomes clearer in the following verses. Be strong, fear not, we see in verse four. Behold, your God will come. God is saying, I will come. I will come, and as I shine my face upon this desert that separates you from me, it will suddenly be a garden. And as I come to you and shine my face upon you, you who have no life left in your bodies will suddenly be able to jump with joy as you are renewed. And all of this will be done so that God will make a way back. That this is his point is is seen in verse 8. And a highway shall be there. There is a place that once was desert but now is a garden. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. God says, not only am I going to make this desert into something beautiful, into a garden, but I'm going to make a road go right through the middle of it. And that road will be straight. I'll clear out all of the, the growth so that you can walk down it and And I will protect you. No one who is unclean, that is no one who is the enemy of my people will be allowed. You don't need to be afraid of them. No one who are predators, who are lions, will be on that. It will be safe. It will be straight. It will be the way of holiness for all who seek to enter my city. And that his work is effective is clear when we get to the final verse. The redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Do you see, this is what the chapter is about. God is saying right now, There seems like an impossible distance between you and me, between you and the city I have made you to be, between you and that beautiful reality I've meant for you. It seems like there's a desert that you cannot cross, but I promise you, I will come for you, I will bring renewal to you, and I will make a way back to me. Now, it's a remarkable image. I mean, just just the poetry itself, as as Craig said, is something we need to hear. What's perhaps even more remarkable is when we view it from the perspective of today and realize that what we have just heard is the story of Jesus. 700 years before, this has told us the story of Jesus. Because think, think, about, think about how the Gospel of Mark begins. If you're familiar with the Gospels, do you remember where it begins? It begins in the wilderness, in, in the desert, with a man who stays in the desert saying, Prepare the way. For the Lord. And then what happens next? As the, as the way is being prepared, God steps in. He, he steps onto the scene in the person of Christ Jesus, the Son of God. And as Jesus walks in, what does he do but bring renewal? He brings life. You know how um, the story, that legend of King Midas, where anything he touches would immediately become gold? I mean, and it was supposed to be a blessing but it actually of course was a curse well there's something similar here except much better it seems when you look at the story of what Jesus has done whatever he touches becomes alive right so you remember early on as he is walking and he talks to these these fishermen who seem to be bad fishermen because all night they can't catch anything and he just says just put the net over there his words all it takes and they do and the net is so full that they can't pick it all the way up because it's filled with life filled with fish or, and what happens? These people, when they see what Jesus has done, when they see their life, what do they do? They, they begin following him. Or, or as he's walking along the way, and there's these two blind men who say, Lord, we want to receive sight, and he touches them. And what happens? Suddenly their eyes are opened, and they follow him. Or perhaps you might know the story of Mary Magdalene, who we're told at one point had seven Demons and, and Jesus comes. God comes in Jesus with vengeance to attack the enemies of his people. The demons are cast out and she is freed. And she starts following him. Or, or, or think of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, this man who's an outcast in his own community because he is a corrupt tax collector. And all it takes is Jesus to walk up to him and says, I'm I'm going to have dinner at your house today. And suddenly, where there was death, there is now life and generosity and repentance. Wherever Jesus walks, wherever he finds these spiritual deserts, suddenly gardens bloom up. The the blind can see, the deaf can hear, the, the lame are able to walk. This is what's being described in Isaiah. And in all of these things, what Jesus does is he is establishing a way. I mean, again and again, when he comes and he, he brings life, what does he say? He says, follow me. Follow me. Because he's calling people along the way, along the journey. In fact, what does he say to his disciples on the night before he goes to the cross? He doesn't just say, follow me along the way. He says, I am the way. I am the way back to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because that's what he came to do. He he came to make a way. When when Jesus died and rose again, he established a highway back to Zion. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore now, because we have a new and living way through Christ into the very presence of God, Jesus established a way. And ever since Christ has done that, that has come to be what defines the church. The church are quite simply the people who are together walking along the way. I say that because actually in in Acts, I was struck by this as I was studying this week. In Acts, do you know what the people of faith are called? Well, they can be called Christians, but the, the faith itself, it's not called Christianity. That's kind of a more recent term. When people were speaking of this new movement, they called it simply the way. That was the name. You know, Paul would speak about, hey, you are familiar with the way, aren't you? And you would, other people would be criticized for trying to kind of bring down the way. Because that is what, what this life of faith is. It's not just a belief system that can be held in the abstract. It is a form of following one step after another. Following Jesus Along the way that he has established for us a way to design, which which means, and bear with me because this probably seems strange for a moment, that in that in this passage we actually have a family portrait of us. Uh, maybe I was thinking about family portraits right now because um, one of my favorite parts about December is all the Christmas cards. And, uh, like, we don't give any, so we completely are just benefiting from everyone else's (laughs) generosity. But we have on this one wall of kitchen all of these smiling faces, these family portraits of people that we love, just kind of looking at us. And it's wonderful. And I want to suggest that you actually have here our family portrait. And it's found at the very end of our chapter. And the redeemed, that's us, shall walk there. The ransomed of the Lord, that's us. We are the ones who have been bought back, rescued by Christ Jesus, shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. That is us. We are a community who is walking along the way. We are following Christ along the way he has established and we are returning to Zion and we are coming to Zion with songs. We've just been singing today, haven't we? An everlasting joy, whether we realize it or not, is upon our heads. We have eternal joy that's given to us. Do you recognize that picture? That that's us. Do you see that that's our picture? I realize it might maybe feel... Odd, or maybe feels dissonant with your experience. Because maybe it feels overly lighthearted compared to the way things feel for you. And, and we should be absolutely clear, the New Testament and Jesus is quite frank that, that the way of following Jesus has a lot of challenges. I mean, Jesus explicitly tells us it is the way of the cross. He says, if anyone wants to come after me, that is, anyone who wants to walk along this way He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who would seek to keep their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will find it. He is saying that the way of following him is a way that will feel like a kind of death. There is a painful surrender that is involved along this way, this way of the cross, surrender of self-protection, of self-centeredness, of certainty, of of holding on to comfort. Those of us who have sought to, to walk along this way, we know that it sometimes involves us being painfully humbled, whether through failure Or through forms of suffering as God strips us of our pride. The way of following Christ can be a way of of tiredness at times. Because as we seek to love others above ourselves, we can become exhausted by this. And at times, the way of following Christ, this is very clear in the New Testament, will involve rejection and suffering and persecution precisely because we're following Jesus. This is clear in the New Testament about this way that's described. And you would think, if that is the case, if this is the way of a kind of death, the way of the cross, that the New Testament would end up having kind of almost a somber, solemn, dour mood to it that we just need to be stoically enduring this terrible time. Someday things will be okay. You have to eat your broccoli before the dessert kind of just... mm, But you know, the funny thing is, if you listen, if you listen to how the New Testament is communicated, it is not in kind of a grumbly or just very unhappy way that it's communicated. If you listen carefully, what you actually hear is singing. So I'm struck in in Acts, as we see this description of people who are walking along the way. You have this scene where Peter and John are imprisoned, and they are told, "Stop talking about Jesus." and they are eventually beaten. They're, they're physically harmed, they are bruised before they are sent away. And how do they respond? It says, "They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were accounted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name." Or Paul. Paul writes to his friends in Philippi who are concerned about him because he is imprisoned for following Jesus, for walking along the way. And Paul, what does he say? He says, you know, you don't need to be afraid because this is a good thing because people are hearing about Jesus. And he writes, and in this I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice for to live as Christ and to die as." me. Or Peter, Pastor Peter, writing to a church that he knows is experiencing suffering. What does he write to them? He says, though you do not now see Jesus, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Or finally, the book of Hebrews as as the writer of Hebrews is writing to encourage people who are being rejected by their community, he speaks of how they, once when they became Christians, what it was like and how people were persecuting. And he says, remember how you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. You joyfully accepted people taking stuff from you. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding do you hear that? It's the sound of singing along the journey. Now, how do we explain that? How do we explain a way that appears to be the way of death, having people who are rejoicing? Well, the closest I can think of as an analogy, and apologies for the hokiness, but I'm a child of the 80s. I think of Indiana Jones. I think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is the last of the good Indiana Jones movies. If you <laughs> not see them, don't worry about the last one. Um, if you haven't seen it, so there's this scene that's, that's worth seeing, um, where Indy, he's trying to get the Holy Grail, and his father is dying, and the only way to save his father is to get the Holy Grail, and he is at this one spot where suddenly he realizes he has this gigantic chasm before him and the other side, and there is no way he can jump across, and yet he's got this book that says the only way is to walk across, and I'm like, I can't do this, and so he's in this moment, and it seems like a certain moment of death. But he's told that he just is supposed to kind of believe. And he takes a step and he discovers that all along there was a bridge that he couldn't see. And what looked like the way of death from human eyes was actually the pathway to life. And I want to suggest that there is something that is really similar about the way that Christ has established for us. From an outsider perspective, for those who are not on, and even for those who are beginning to walk, it can seem just a way of hardness and misery because there is real suffering. This is not just something light that we're talking about. There is pain, there is difficulty. And yet those who walk step after step following Christ begin to discover that what they thought was a pathway of desert is filled with flowers and water and life. Because the way of Jesus is the way of Jesus. I don't know a better way of putting it than than the countless testimony of Christians throughout generations is that as as we step in following Jesus and we encounter things that terrify us at times or that are hard, it is precisely in those moments where we're most in suffering that we find Jesus most deeply. And we most deeply experience the reality of of his love for us and the grace of God and we see most clearly the beauty of the hope that is set before us. And like the people described in the New Testament, we are able to rejoice. This is the way that Jesus has established and that is why this can be the picture of us. We are The redeemed of the Lord and we are returning to Zion and as we are returning we can sing and there is an eternal joy that is upon our heads as we journey. So that is one image that I hope that is stuck in your thinking as you think of this passage. But there is one other picture. You know, like oftentimes with Christmas cards, one side has kind of like the the posed happy face, and the other side has like the candid of people doing stuff. Well, we actually kind of have a candid here as well. And we see it in verses three and four. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. It's a call to courage, right? Um, you know, if you, if you imagine someone whose knees are just kind of like knocking and whose hands can't really hold things because it's weak. It's someone who's, who's overwhelmed by a situation. Have you ever felt like that? Not necessarily like your hands can't hold anything, but, but just so so paralyzed, so overcome by the uncertainty or the difficulty of a decision that you just feel like you cannot act at all? Or or maybe more to the point, have you ever felt like that specifically when it comes to following Christ? I, I wonder even if this morning there are some of us who have a somewhat clear sense of what Christ is calling us to. We know what the single... Next step is along the way. It's like we hear Jesus behind us saying, This is the way, walk in it, and yet we are afraid to take that step. Maybe, maybe we are afraid because we are afraid we are going to fail, or maybe we're afraid because it seems like a way of death, and we're afraid of what we're going to lose, but we are paralyzed by fear. And, and what God says is He says, Be strong. Fear not. Take courage. Because I have established a way, a way that is beautiful, a way that is good, a way that will lead you back to Zion. But I want to say actually that there's something more to what I just what we saw in these verses than just that. This is more than just a personal call to take courage. The reason I said that this is a, a snapshot of us has to do with the way the instructions are said. Do you notice, it doesn't say strengthen your weak hands, make firm your feeble knees, it's the weak hands, the feeble knees, implying that there's more to be concerned about than just your own, right? And notice, it doesn't just say, I say to you, be strong. It says, say to those who have an anxious heart. There is a community that's implied here, right? So in other words, the journey, the way that's being spoken of is not this individualistic path. I I like Pilgrim's Progress, it's a great story, but in some ways it's missing something because what's being described about this journey is an entire community of people teaming up together. And when one person or two people are feeling completely worn down and they have no courage left, it involves everyone else coming around them and and speaking to them and encouraging them and and hugging them and praying for them and maybe singing with them and saying, hey, even if you don't have strength, just I'll help you along. And and it involves also when we are feeling worn down, not just kind of like saying, okay, I'm just not going to go anymore, but allowing others whose courage is there to be the courage that we need so that we can keep going. Do you see See, this is the second picture, a picture of people along the way and you can see some people limping on someone else's shoulders and maybe some people who are even being carried piggyback because they can't walk anymore because all of us together are walking along the way. There is weakness and there is being humbled and yet there is joy as we are walking into Zion, as we are saying to each other, be strong, fear not, for Christ has made the way. That's what we have in our passage this morning. We have a picture of God who has said, you might be immeasurably far, but I will make a way back to me, back to this city. And we have a picture of us, a people who in our weak and feebleness continue to strengthen and encourage and help carry each other, and yet who can walk into Zion with singing knowing that in just a short while, sorrow and sadness will flee because we will be so overcome by the gladness of encountering this city that God has made for us that is beautiful as we draw near to God himself. And my prayer is that those images would become indelibly impressed upon our souls of who we are and of what Christ has done so that we would have courage in obedience to take that next step in following Christ, to sing with defiant hope because we know that our Savior has gone before us and he's made the way. I invite you please to join with me in prayer even now. Lord, I pray for all of us. We are all given this pathway through Christ Jesus of of following him. And Lord, you know what obedience looks like. You know what repentance looks like for each of us. And I pray that you help us to be on the lookout for each other, that we might be a community that strengthens and encourages, that we together might faithfully follow follow the way that Christ has set before us to the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name.
0: the Lord has